Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Can you give it up for Jesus real quick for me? I honor Brent and Jen and the leaders of the church. I honor them. I thank them for all that they do, all that they are, everything that they've given. We bless them because they're amazing and who they are. Just Can you guys just give it up for Pastor Brent and Jen? Come on. It's like one of those awkward moments where Brent doesn't know if he should clap or not, and he's sitting on the front. Should I clap? Is it amazing that we actually get to worship God? Uh, let me just step back a second. How amazing that we have an opportunity to worship the creator of all things. That's so incredible. I, I don't, sometimes, I know for the, for the last two weeks, it's just, this thing in me is just like, it is amazing that, that, that we even get to have a conversation with him. That we can pray and that he listens. And that he responds. How incredible is that? I'm telling you, the identity of just the ability to worship changes everything. You guys just pray with me. God, you're so worthy. Lord, your thoughts are not our thoughts and your ways are, are not our ways. but you truly are holy, you truly are righteous. There's nothing that we can give that you haven't already given. As your word says that we love because you first loved us. Lord, awaken the desire and awaken the revelation of the incredibleness that we get to come into your presence. Wake us up inside, God, to the understanding of how incredible and amazing it is that you even listen to our prayers and you respond. Lord, I pray right now that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you come over me and and that, that I only speak what's on your heart. Lord, that my ears are tuned to heaven and that I only say whatever you are saying, no matter what it is, and that I'm not afraid to say it. Even if everybody hates me after the service today, God, I don't care because it's, it's for you. And it's pleasing to you. So Holy Spirit, we invite you, Jesus, come. Whatever it takes, come. Whatever it takes, come. Lord, allow us to have our hearts awaken. Interrupt us so that we can tune into what's going on in heaven and that we join you. God, awake us to your holiness. Awake us to your glory. Awaken us to your power and your love and your mercy and your precious name. Amen.
you know, before I start, I just, if I'm honest with you guys, I, I probably wouldn't pray that way in the past. And all these last two weeks, I probably wouldn't have. I told Brent, he goes, I know you've been working so many hours. And if you're too tired, you know, I can preach Sunday. And I'm like, dude, if I let you preach, I'm going to be in complete disobedience. I, I felt the presence of God so strong these last two weeks. I find myself crying for hours. And this last Friday, I was sitting here after the two hours of singing songs. And, and I said, you know what, I'm not singing anymore. And I told everybody, we're done singing. And, and, and I went and sat and I just began to weep because of the incredibleness of his presence and that I get to be there. But if I'm honest with you guys, I would pray, you know, God, I, <laughs> give me something that's going to be pleasing to them. What does the pastor want? What do the people want? What, what can I say that, 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 will, that will bless them? What will I say that, that, that will make them grow? What, what, will I, what, what about them? And it's not that I don't like you or I don't love you, just not that much. Because if, I'm, if we, the reality is, is it's a gift. And, 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 and <laughs> it's amazing when you can come and say, I don't know what I want, but I do know this. Don't give me what I want. I don't come here so that you give me what I want. I come here because I want to please Abba. God, may that be our cry. And we don't come and say, God, give me what I want. But instead, may we come and say, Lord, I want to give you what you want. See, this is the heartbeat. I, this is the heartbeat of a church that's after the heart of God and not the world. You see, this is where the shift of culture begins to take place. You see, there, there's this thing that, that is now being said, and, 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 and it's so true, and it's called the consumer-driven cultured church. And this consumerism and, 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 and this heartbeat, though, that I'm talking about, this is where it begins to change to a, a worship, a presence-driven culture that can begin to, to radically change lives. See, it begins when you have what I want versus what, what God wants. There is a battle in the heavens because the word says you cannot serve two masters. And I don't care what, what you believe inside. Does Jesus love you? Yes. Does he want to heal you? Yes. But that's not our focus. Our focus is him and him alone. Because when we have two masters saying, Lord, I want this and I want that. And he's saying, but I want this. You have two masters that are colliding. And the Bible says that you will hate one. And love the other. Pursuit starts here. For the last eight, are we on eight weeks? 
Is it eight weeks? Eight weeks. Maybe nine. Eight weeks. We're going with eight. We have been talking about this idea of pursuit and, and what it looks like pursuing prayer and pursuing reading the word and pursuing people and pursuing him and, and pursuing everything. But it becomes about this. At one point, at one juncture, it has to be pursuing everything else or pursuing Jesus, and that's it. There's one choice. Pursue everything else or pursue Jesus. That's it. But how many of us come to church thinking, what am I coming to give today? What am I bringing to the Father? What, what do I have to give? See, the reality is, is we have been raised and conditioned in our church culture to come to church just thinking about ourselves. And can I just say that, that the Americanism, the American idealism, and all the things that go with that, and about consumer and, and capitalism and all these things, has begun to root itself inside the church, and the churches begin to say, this is the foundation of how it should be. We need to compete with the churches around us to get as many people as we can and appease to what the people want. And it's raised up a bunch of people that believe, give me what I want. I come to church to receive from God. I come to receive from God. But there's a generation that's rising that's saying, I come to give to God. If you guys want to turn with me, we're going to start in Luke chapter 7 this morning. I'm just going to read a little bit. Is that okay with you guys? I want to read a story in Luke. And, and some believe it's the same story um, in Matthew 26 and verse 7 and Mark 14 verse 3, talking about the same woman. Uh, but we're going to just begin, and, and I'm just going to start reading here in verse 36. And, and if you need to know if it doesn't match up there, I'm, I'm using the English Standard Version. Um, it's, some have the NIV, I believe. I don't remember what we put up. But once uh, one of the Pharisees asked him, I'm in verse 36, Luke chapter 7. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house. And he took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair on her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus, listen, how amazing. I'm going to just stop right here because it blew my mind. He didn't say this out loud. He, can I just say this there? What's in your heart matters. And he hears it. Jesus responds right here and he says this, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. 
He said, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to, he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who can even forgive sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. You know, this scripture is probably one of the most beautiful pictures of worship. See, we live in a time where, where everybody in church, especially here in America, and especially in the evangelical church, where, where our worship is so reserved. We're just so self-aware. How do I look right now? Who's looking at me? Who's next to me? Uh, am I making a fool of myself? Are my hands lifted too high or are they too little? Should I even lift my hands at all? Do my armpits stink when I lift my hands? Should I get on my knee? Should I not? Should I just sit down? We're so self-aware. But you see, this woman, she comes into the room. She had her gift, and she didn't care that all the religious leaders were there. All the who's who's and the, and, and, and the higher. I mean, imagine walking into the room, and I'm going to use this as an example. Don't stone me. And President Trump is in there. And you don't even acknowledge the president. And you go straight to Jesus. And you go straight to Jesus. She falls at his feet. And she just lets go with the most extravagant worship. And every other one else in the room was like, what is she doing? What is she doing, Jesus? Do you not know? How could you let her? And I look at this picture, and can I just say this? I look at this picture, and I'm like, I, I don't want to be the Pharisees that is watching. I, I want to be that woman. I don't want to be one of those guys standing around going, what is she doing? I, I want to be that woman. I want to be that person that comes in saying, God, I came and I brought you something and I want to worship you because I know what I've done in my life and I know how badly I need your forgiveness. I, I want to worship you. I want to be like, Jesus, if you're in this room, I just want to fall on my face and worship you. I don't care who's watching. I don't care who's next to me. I, I don't care what it looks like and what it sounds like. I, I, I just have this gift, this 
gift that I want to give to you because of what you've already done for me. Do you know that we could be we could be the ones, we, our generation, we could be starting now could put an end to this whole consumerism in church. This thing that, that we come to a service or gathering and we critique every aspect of it. We say things like, oh, the preacher was too loud. Oh, the message was okay. Uh, uh, the music was kind of, you know, oh. Uh, we, we say things like, like, I wish, you know, Josh wouldn't be so serious and we'd tell more jokes like Pastor Brent. <laughs> or I wish Brent would sing more Disney songs. Uh, you know, I don't like this song and I like that song and, and, and this is, <laughs> this is my favorite. Let me just tell you a story real quick. Um, about three years ago, this really hit my heart. And it was so amazing, as I tell you guys this, like I said, I, there was two weeks, these last two weeks, that the presence of God has just been so thick. And, and I had just been, man, just all over the place with God. And, and all of a sudden, I was preparing. I already knew what I wanted to speak. I, I already knew everything. I just had to compile it. And, and, and all of a sudden, I think it was Monday, I looked at my Facebook account, because I have one of those things, and, and it showed me something I posted three years ago, and I was like, because it's exactly what I said here. And it was this story, and the story was this. I was in a church service, and, and I like any church service. It wasn't anything different. And I was out there, and the worship team, who was amazing um, in their sound, got up, and they started singing a song. And immediately I was like, man, I just don't like this song. And I was just like, I'm just going to just, you know, Go through the motions. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on me, and he says, I'm so glad it's about you. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, let's just say I didn't sing another word that night because my tears were so great. Why is it so common that we say things like, Worship wasn't that good today. I, I, I didn't like worship. When did this become about you? When did it become about me? When did this whole idea, let me, uh, before I jump, because this is it. I, I was in another, and I was talking to another guy, and, he, and we were talking about, we were both musicians, both worship leaders, and we were saying what songs we like and dislike, and I go, yeah, I, you guys know the song, uh, I'm a friend of God, I'm a friend of God, and, and I was like, you know, I, I don't like that song, and I was like, that song is just love to me, and he goes, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, he goes, That's, that song got me saved. When did this become about me? Man, when did this idea, I mean, these thoughts, I, I don't, when did they come? I, I really don't like worship. When did this thing, like, I really don't like worship come, come into being? Like, can you imagine, just imagine this with me. Around the throne of God, there are angels and elders and, and four living creatures, and they're all throwing the crowns, and they're all worshiping, saying, holy, holy, holy. And then one of the angels leaves and says, I didn't like worship today.
I really didn't get it. I didn't get anything out of it. It didn't do anything for me. How do we get to this place where where this is part of normal church language? Where worship is either good or bad. Man, if you're worshiping Jesus, it's all good. Let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. If you're worshiping Jesus, it's truth. There's no good or bad in Jesus, it's truth. Man, uh, uh, Pastor Francis Chan, many of you probably know him. He said it like this, and, and I love this because it just hits to the core, and he says this. My concern is that we have created a generation that relies on everything else and is dependent on all these things just to worship. See, if I was honest with you, and I came up here and I made an announcement and I said this. I said, tonight we're hosting um, uh, Benny Hinn or we're hosting T.D. Jakes or we're hosting Mark Driscoll or, 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 or Bill Johnson or, or, Mike, Dris- or, uh, or, or Mike Bickle or, or this or that or this person. And Jesus Culture or Bethel's going to be leading us in worship and, 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 or Hillsong's going to be leading us in worship. And, and, and you know what would happen? There wouldn't be enough seats here. We'd actually have to go to another church. But if I was to say, hey, guys, tonight we're going to have a Father's Heart night or we're going to have a worship night or, or we're just going to come and, 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 and Casey's going to stand up here and he's just going to read three chapters out of this, this book, this book, and, and then we're going to have communion. And, and, and you know what happened? Five people would show up. You know, they say that, that don't judge a church by who shows up on Sunday, but who shows up to the prayer meetings. There, there, there's this thing in us that if there's nothing in it for me, I'm not showing up. The same Holy Spirit that is in Benny Hinn and T.D. Jakes and in Jesus' culture in Bethel is residing here now. I'm telling you, we've become experts at gathering Christians around great bands and speakers and events. But you know what? We've fallen short and failed in teaching believers how to be alone with God, how to worship God and gather strictly for him. I mean, I have been doing this man, a long time, since I was a child. And there are still days where I'm like, Josh, you probably should do your devotional today and you probably should pray. What? I have to remind myself to pray to the creator? I mean, we have this thing where we say things like, I just, I, I, I don't like to read. I, I, I just don't read. I I can't give 15 minutes in my morning and take away my sleep. Oh, Jesus. Do you know how many times God has woken me up and I rolled over? And just thought, oh, I got two more hours to sleep. And if I cry, I'm sorry because this is just so. He's knocking. And he says, Josh, just can you get up and pray with me? And I'm like, Yes, and I am like, uh, and I just roll over and go back to sleep on him. 
I don't even give him 15 minutes of my sleep. And when I even wake up and I think about me, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I wish I was still sleeping. Oh, I have this today. I, uh, uh, could you imagine if the first thing we do when we wake up is to be like, God, you're holy. God, you're holy. Thank you for another day. I find it hard when we have to continually tell people, and I'm not saying just new believers, but people who've been in the church for years upon years that they seem to read their Bible and pray. I don't know how else to say this other than do it because he's allowing you to. Do you know if God said, you know what, no, you cannot read your Bible anymore and you cannot pray anymore to me. You know how many people probably would start praying and reading their Bible? But we lost this vision of the amazingness of this book and who he is and that every letter written, everything in here points to a man and his name is Jesus. This is, this is not homework. This is life as it should be living. Today, uh, I love this, and I, and I give the credit to him. Francis Chan used this example with his own daughter, but I'm going to use it with mine. And kind of. It's, I'm going to still use it in that way because she's not old enough. But we're having a birthday party today for my one-year-old. And I uh, can't believe she's one. Holy Lord. Uh, and... <laughs> so it's kind of like this if and maybe I'll use my older daughter because it'll be easier and I, I went to Kayla and I said Kayla what do you want for your birthday this year how do you want your party to be and she, you know I said if you were going to go to Dave and Buster's or we took you to Dave and Buster's or we took you to um, one of the other places and we said you know what you invite whoever you want we're going to pay everything you know how many people would come and she'd probably be like my whole school Everybody at church, I'm like, great. I better have my taxes return or something. Uh, or, but if I asked her, I said, Caitlin, what if we didn't really throw a party, but we just kind of had something here at the house, and, and, you know, maybe we had a cupcake or a candle, and, and we just wanted to celebrate you. How many people would come to that? Probably just those closest to her. See, I don't want to make this a big production. I don't want to make this some lights and sound. and I, I don't want this to be the entertainment that draws people. And then I get to come and say, God, look at all these worshipers you have. I mean, what if I said that to my daughter? It was like, we're at Dave and Buster's. And I said, babe, look, look at all these people that love you. And she's sitting at the table with me. You know, because I would love my daughter on her birthday or the next day. I'd give her gifts every day. I, 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 it wouldn't stop me. And I just want to be there because it's her. But so many of us in the church world, we, we go to these things and we say things like, yes, we're going to be with Jesus, but we wouldn't be there unless Bethel was leading worship. 
or the best entertainment wasn't there, or the pastor didn't show hilarious videos in his messages, or that the messages were 20 minutes and 20 minutes only, or 45 minutes and 45 minutes only, because if you go after 12.30, then we miss the buffet lines, and everything's going to be too busy. And then we're like, God, look, our church grew from 100 to 200 people. Look at all these people that love you. And yet the same people come every single week to the altar and ask for prayer for the same thing because they're not being set free. I, I'll say it, and I said this, I think, on Friday night. I'm, I'm beyond myself, beyond tired of saying, God, I want to go to your presence, and I don't want to leave here the same, and then I leave the same. I'm tired of that. I, I think he deserves enough time to say, will you tarry with me through the night? Because when you leave, I'm going to break your hip and you're going to look like me afterwards. I know, I know that this is not the normal. I, I understand that this, this isn't what it looks like. And sometimes we don't even know what it's supposed to look like. But if you think about this, at what point does it become evil that we need all these other things just to encounter God? At what point does it start to offend God that we won't come to him unless the entertainment value is there? You know, Brent used this scripture a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to use it again because I love this. And I'm just going to read it. I'm going to Luke 10, verse 38. And and, and this scripture is about uh, Mary and Martha. And and maybe I'll just summarize it here. And and, and Martha is, is doing all this work, and and, and, and she does this, and, and she's getting that, and, and, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet as he's talking. And, and, and Martha begins to, to become bitter and enraged that Mary's not doing anything. Uh, 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 Mary's not out winning souls on the streets. Mary's not, Mary's not starting a new kids program. Mary's not, Mary's not, uh, not, not, not trying to find a stage that she can stand on and proclaim. And Martha begins to be like, why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you doing this? Why, why are you not working? And Jesus says this. He says, he says, sorry, lost. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This one thing Mary chose to sit at my feet, and I'm not going to take that from her. Why is it that we condemn people for, for just loving on Jesus if they don't save 100 people a day? Can I tell you something? That person is going to have more impact because they'll have the heart of God than a person who's only working and working and working and never pursues and sits at his feet. 
You know, we talk about this scripture a lot, and, and we use it as this, this gut-wrenching, like, you better get right with God. But, but, but listen to what it says. it says. It says, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, I have done this in your name, and I have done that in your name, and, and, and I have done this and this and this and that. And he will turn to them and say, I, I do not know you. Go away from me, you doer of wickedness. He didn't say, you didn't know me. He said, I didn't know you. Do you know the only way God will ever know you is if you sit at his feet? I'm telling you, listen to what I'm saying. The only way God will ever know who you are is if you say, God, I want to know who you are so that we can begin and I can begin to look like you. And the only way you can look like him is if you know him at his feet. The one thing. The one thing, I have a, a pastor friend, I've, I've talked about him before in, in New York. I love this dude. He's, he's from Arizona. He's one of my, my oldest friends, and he talks about this scripture. So bear with me as I read this, this portion of it, but it's powerful if you can grab it. And it says this, I fear the danger in Christianity today is that those on the inside have become as lost as those on the outside. We have turned love into discipline, faith into creed, and evangelism into marketing campaigns. We have forgotten not just what this is about, but who this is about. We've exchanged the community of faith for a country club and Jesus for an institution. We've built the church to memorialize great men and their social and religious achievements. And we do this even while knowing their greatness was a gift from the only man deserving to be memorialized. See, Christianity is in danger because we have labored for too long to make it in our image instead of letting it transform us into his image. Christianity isn't a way of life. It's life as we were created by the creator to live. The church in our time is facing many issues, and many of them are as important as it was for Martha to want to serve the Son of God in her house. However, Martha missed the point as we do today. We have forgotten the one thing that is needed. This one thing is needed. Yet so much of our focus is on being Martha, taking care of the wants and of everyone else. What do they want? Including ourselves at the cost of losing the one thing. The presence of God, the one thing, should be our main focus, not the side attraction. Jesus should never be the side attraction for our church. Some in the church, they don't even, and I was saying this a minute ago, they don't even know what I'm talking about. Like when I say sitting at the feet of Jesus, they're like, man, that's weird. That's weird. Like getting up in the middle of the night and praying, that's weird. And, and and I'm like, uh, or or reading? That's weird. Like I don't like to read reading. And I'm like, what is this really about then? What are we doing? Like like when we all got saved, and 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 some of the things you guys know in the church, we say it's it's a relationship and not a religion, right? Yet we say that and we teach that in the beginning. We're like praise Jesus, but then everything else we do after that contradicts that. 
it, it, it's like it's like we have it in knowledge, but in application, it's like we have to do this. What's right and wrong? Uh, can I do? Can I drink alcohol? Can I smoke weed? Can I smoke cigarettes? Can I watch R-rated movies? Can I do this? What is the most I can do? What is the limit of my sin that I can perform that's still going to get me into heaven? What 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 about this? Uh 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 uh. What next program can we do to attract more people? Um, what, what, about, what about this? What happens? Then? And at some point, what we do is we position ourselves like, like oh man, the best way to, Brent, come here real quick. Stand up here and look that way and place your arms in a cross. And, and at some point, we place ourselves here and say, look at me. Look at me. What about my wants and my needs? Like, like, like what? And, and if we understood that at some point, if we would just, Turn around and be like, what about you? What about you? Thank you, Brent. Like, I find it weird when we say things like, I, I don't like to pray. Or, or I'm worried that our prayer is going to offend people. I find it weird when we say we believe this and, man, all we can quote is John 3.16. I find it weird that, that we say we love Jesus and yet all we love is what Jesus did for us. But if he's in heaven or not, we don't care. We just want to make it to heaven. I find that weird. Because then it's not a religion, or it's not a relationship. It is a religion. We get so focused on all these other things, and it distracts us from knowing him. You see, I, I've talked this before, but Moses, he has this experience at the burning bush, and he goes and sets the Israelites free, and, and all they get to the desert, and all of a sudden God goes, hey, you see that land over there? I've prepared it for you. Why don't you just go on? I'll place angels above you and around you, and they're going to take care of all the people there. But you know what? I'm not going with you. Hey, you know that thing I prophesied over your life? You know that, that you're going to walk and do this, and, and that, that you're going to be this, and you're going to receive this? I'm going to give it to you because I'm a man of my, I'm a God of my word, and, and, and so go. But, but just know I'm not going with you. And, and, and Moses goes, if you don't go, I don't go. If I don't have the presence of God, why would I want the promised land? The promised land is the presence of God. What if we were a generation that actually got excited just to worship God? What if we were a generation that showed up with a gift and said, God, I came just excited with this gift of thanksgiving, and I want to give this to you in worship. I don't care what the songs are. I don't care who's singing. I don't care even if the sound is horrible or if the sound system breaks. This is my gift of worship. What's so crazy about this whole thing? Listen to me. What's so crazy about all this that we, we, we reject all these things is that if we come with that heart and we come with that mentality, you leave more filled than if you came with the other. That's why Jesus says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Because when you come to give, you know the faithfulness of Jesus is to be like, have all of me. 
did you get that? Did you hear that? When you come to give everything to Jesus, his response is to give everything back to you. See, worshiping God will always yield incredible results. But we're the church where we've found in danger is we always find ourselves worshiping the results. And because of that, we've already endangered our worship. We worship the healings and the miracles. We worship the salvations and we worship the baptisms and we worship all these things. And, 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 and what we don't realize is all those things are a consequence of the worship. God added thousands to the numbers of in Acts. Not Paul, not Peter, not John. God did. Why? It's because they cared more about God, the Holy Spirit, the teachings, the worship, the prayer, the fellowship. They cared more about God. And God said, because of that, look what's going to happen. More people come. And it's not that then they, that John and Paul or Peter or any of them had to go and be like, okay, you're new here. We're going to baby you for a little bit. They're like, no, you see, I, I'm so excited that you're here because I love this man named Jesus, and, and I'm going to run after him, and I'm not going to start walking with you. I'm just going to grab your hand. Let's run together, and we're going in the same direction because if your life looks like my life, then you're going to look for Jesus. Ask the worship team to come up as I get ready to conclude. See, we tend to show up expecting something for us. It's like expecting to receive something for ourselves at someone else's birthday party. We come to worship and we're like, what do I get out of it? Instead of coming to worship and being like, what can I give? Do you know why so many churches give off, take up offerings? It's because people stop giving. There was a time in history where there wasn't an offering receptacle basket that they passed around. It was just like this place of worship that people went to. And they gave because they knew that when I come, I come to give. Not just of all of me, but of my time, of my finances. Every, when I say yes to Jesus, I say no to me. When I say yes to Jesus, I die so he may live. But, but at some point, at some point, that stopped. And it became more about, I need to get to heaven, so what is the least I can do so I get to heaven? Do I really have to give 10%? Do I have to give 20%? Do I really have to give? Can I just give, like, a dollar today? And then I get to take everything else with me? Can I just give, like, my Sunday mornings, and, and then the rest of the week is mine? Can, can I just, like... Give the least and receive the most. It's not about us. I'm so tired of coming into worship and singing songs like, like, you can have it all, God. But really I'm saying you can have some. Whatever I'm comfortable giving. But if I don't like the song, then I'll just fold my hands and sit down. And then uh, a saying like what A.W. Tozer said when he said, Christians don't tell lies, they just go to church and sing them become true. See, see, I want to show up and I want to focus on him and be intentional about what I sing, about what I pray, about what I preach, uh, and know that it's not about me. 
that I can that I can become lower, that he can be glorified. See, the me has to die so that the he may live. The consumer, the consumer culture must die so that his presence culture can live. This present culture is one that actually values God and the presence of God above all things. It celebrates and honors and gives him a place to dwell and does what he wants and what he says. Its focus is 100% on him. Can we not be the generation that destroys the consumer church and begins to start a new culture called worship or a new culture called his presence? I don't know about you guys, but that's what I want more than anything. I want to start a trend of worship, a trend of coming to worship. Rather than to consume, I want to give everything. I want to live a life uh, like this with community of people that want to live with his presence at home and at work and in community groups and at church, a life of his presence. See, when you came here today, Did you come to receive or give? I know I have come so many times with the identity and the attitude of, God, I didn't get anything out of today. Why didn't you meet my needs? And some of you that are in the charismatic or, 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 or Pentecostal movements, you know, there's a guest preacher that comes and he's prophesying and he goes and prophesies over everybody but me. And I'm like, well, God, do you not like me? And he's like, no, I just want to speak to you for myself, to you. We could be the generation that stops this. We could be the ones to say, I want to give everything so that I have nothing left, so that I'm filled fully with the Holy Spirit and his presence, and that when I leave here, that same presence, that same, that same attitude, that same culture begins to be like this, this virus that gets caught by everything around me, and that it begins to go into my family, and it begins to go into my children, and it begins to go into my work, and it begins to go everywhere that I go, because it's not about me, it's about him, and everything that he gives, stand to your feet with me. Today is a new day for encounter. And I believe this with my whole heart. God is saying, you have a choice. Jesus or everything else. I'm not saying that we don't have needs. Jesus healed so many people because he loved them. But the woman who came to his feet, and let me just say this, she was the same woman many uh, uh, theologians believe that was at the, the Last Supper that broke the alabaster back box, and Jesus said, you will be known through all eternity. Why? Because she had so many needs. She was a sinner. She did all these things. And you know what she did? She came and worshiped. And Jesus said, because of that, you're going to be known, and I've already forgiven you. Drowned your needs in worship. Drowned your wants 
and worship. If you have marriage problems, then get before Jesus and worship. If you need a healing in your life and you're like, nothing's getting better, then get before Jesus and worship. If you have children that have behavior problems, then get before Jesus and worship. The pursuit is Jesus, and that's it. So this is what I want to do. If you have needs, if you don't have needs, if you need prayer, if you don't need prayer, I challenge you to take an opportunity. Lunch is is out there already. It's waiting for you when we're done here. I promise it's not going anywhere. But take a moment and say, I just want to give a little bit more of myself to you today. I'm going to let the worship team just sing. And and if the prayer team sees people that God moves them to go pray, then you are released to pray for people. But the reality of what it is, is I'm challenging you to lay all expectations at his feet and say, God, I just want you. Can we just do that for 10 or 15 minutes with me? Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, break in even now. Lord, we want you and only you. Begin to raise up this culture inside of us, God, that says, I don't want anything else but you, Lord. The same culture that was in Paul and Peter. The same culture that was in John, Father, the beloved. Lord, the same culture that was dwelling with you when you were on this earth, that we want nothing else but God. Lord, may this place be an atmosphere-changing, shifting area for even here in Mesa because it's not just about community, Lord, but it's about Jesus who's the only one who can change community. Lord, may our hearts go after you so much more, God, that we say we want nothing more. We have marriage issues. You're the solution. We have health issues. You're the solution, God. Lord, may that be our prayer today in Jesus' name. Worship with me.